Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Jeremy K. Gover, and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Govertime. There you have it. And I'm not sure how many people are going to be super happy with the show <laughs> and, all the, and all the topics we have today on the show. Of course, we will have a Forsberg discussion. David Poyle, the general manager, came out and had some comments about the contract negotiations, so we've got to discuss that. On the heels of a three-game losing streak, what are expectations for this team? Have they changed? Does that change the way we look at Forsberg? It's kind of a same conversation we've had many times, but we will sort of do it from a different perspective now for a variety of reasons. We've got a couple of injuries to get to some contract extension talk. Peter Laviolette made his return uh, and Nashville was very hospitable uh, to his Capitals on Tuesday <laughs> evening. Um, so we'll get to that. We've got some questions about this team's reputation as it pertains to taking penalties and making mistakes. We'll get to that. Uh, buyers at the deadline. I've got some things I got to get off my chest <laughs> over about the deadline and some of the conversations about trades for this team. Uh, so we'll, And we'll get to your Super Bowl. We'll, we'll start the show with a little lighthearted conversation with your trip to the Super Bowl. But before we do all of that, the Gold Standard is, in fact, brought to you by the wonderful folks at... Jaspers. Look at you. Such a pro. Parking good, is free. Man. Parking. First of all, have you ever been on a podcast that had a cocktail named after it? Pretty, pretty big accomplishment. No, for you. no, that's pretty. I, it's it's going on my resume as soon as we get in this call. Actually, <laughs> uh, the Gold Standard <laughs> cocktail at Jasper's, all home and road games named after this show. Of course, it's a it's a whiskey drink. It's a great cocktail, free parking, uh, and of course, you get uh, three dollar beers and ten dollar smash burger during home and road Preds games. It is a great place to go watch a Preds game. It's also a great place to go after work or go for lunch during work because again parking is free right over there on west end uh not many places in nashville downtown in particular that give you free parking go to jaspers everybody okay gover before we get into all the negative negative stuff and the negativity yes yes how was the super bowl man it was awesome uh it was everything and more i thought it was going to be uh the my only complaint is that uh, it was in la and la with that comes uh you know parking five miles away from the credentialing office and, you know, uh, paying to park there and then walking again, five miles. It wasn't really five miles. It felt like five miles in that heat, uh, five miles of credentialing office, picking up your credential, but it's only the week of credential. It's not the NFL honors credential or the game day credential so you have to wait for those. It's just gloriously inefficient. Uh, other than that, uh, the whole experience was awesome. So I'm very, very happy. I went and I want to thank AP radio for believing in me enough to, Give me the nod to go. There's only two stringers every year that go to these big events, and I was chosen as the second stringer this year, and I'm very, very flattered and honored. What did you? How did the half? What did you think of the halftime? The, the just being <laughs> being there, and not just the halftime, but like sort of. I've been to a Super Bowl, so I, I I'm lucky enough to know that the air feels different in there. It just does. Yep. yep. Um, yep. it's not as filled with enthusiasm and fandom it's filled with lots of corporate hot air, but like still the air is a little different in there. Um, uh, what was your uh? What was your takeaway from being in the building, and, and how, how much did you love the halftime show? So two things. The first thing is uh, I was actually – so for those who don't know, when when teams for big events run out of – or stadiums and arenas run out of press space in the press box, okay, because there's an overwhelming demand to cover something, and obviously the Super Bowl would count as that, they build what's called an, a press auxiliary area, and it's usually somewhere else, okay? And in this particular case, it was in section 523, 524, and 525. So up on the top deck uh, in the end zone, there was, in one of the end zones, there was three sections that were basically uprooted and put in tables were put down. And then you got to sit in a seat and do your work and whatever. It was, it, was, it, it was actually good for what it was. But I bring that up because that means I was out with the fans. I wasn't in a press box yeah, where the windows yeah. were all shut. I was actually out in the arena. So I got the full experience. Uh, without being able to cheer, of course. And I will say that in the upper decks, uh, there was a lot of fandom and just rabid uh, yep. Bengals fans, you know, forking over five, six, seven thousand dollars a ticket to be there. And um, and my <laughs> my cousin TC went shout out to TC. He flew in from Jacksonville, Florida, because he's, he's been a Bengals fan his whole life. And. Uh, I said, why are you throwing down $7,000 a ticket and getting this, getting a hotel room for who knows what five, five minutes away from the stadium? And he said, it's the Bengals, man. I don't know if I'll ever be back here. It's <laughs> so I was like, all right, fair enough. So anyway, so he, so, uh, he had a great time, even though they lost. And the experience was just 
great all around. The second answer to your question is halftime show. Uh, as a lifelong hip hop fan, it was a surreal experience. And I'm actually writing something about this right now, which I won't spoil the whole thing, but I will say that when Dr. Dre emerged uh, on stage for the in the first notes of the next episode, uh, it reminded me a lot of when I got to see the Rolling Stones in El Paso, Texas. And the show, it was totally dark stage, and the show opened with a spotlight on Keith Richards just shredding Jumpin' Jack Flash. And I, I, I'm not a Stones fan. I wasn't at the time. I was there to see Dave Matthews open, actually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I, but I, I, when that when he's it's just the whole stage is dark and the spotlight's down and Keith Richards just shredding away. I remember the only thing I could think of was, "Am I really here? Is this really happening?" Yeah. And that was the same type of sensation I got at the halftime show. Disappointed in no holograms and Fifty Cent. Not Fifty Cent. That was a really cool surprise, but I am definitely, I was, I'm definitely uh, disappointed. There was no Easy E hologram. You're, you're gonna, but also you're running California. You're gonna, if you're gonna play California Love, why not have a Tupac hologram? Well, no, that's fine. But, but with Dre's perfectionism, he's probably, he's probably, I've already done that, right? Yeah, I so I never true. really thought that was gonna be a thing. Although it would be easy to have done, of course. Uh, he did play a little snippet of I, I Ain't Mad At You. So it was a nod to Tupac. That was really cool. But uh, I really thought, honestly, there would be an Easy e hologram. That's what I thought they were yeah. going to do. Is use the same technology, but then use Easy. But- and no Cube, I, that was disappointing as well. I, listen, I don't necessarily think that the musical production performance in the set, or like I really enjoyed the, the, the craftsmanship and the artistry of the set. I don't think... Uh, it like went over hugely well with like the average American, but that's because I don't think the average American, the old boring average American doesn't yes. understand Correct. what all of that meant for a genre of, of music. And like, again, as and a, a 39, as a 39 year old middle, middle-aged white guy, Dr. Dre and all those other artists, Eminem and Snoop and everything like they are interwoven into my culture as a human being and my very yes. existence. And that is what Absolutely. made that important. It doesn't matter that like, you know, one note was perfect or whatever. Like it, to me, it's about, we talked about it last week. To me, it was about the, what it means culturally to our country. And I thought it was, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Let's not be too, it was, it was we don't have to fabulous. Be critics, so no, it was fabulous. And I, I will say my, my biggest kind of surprise, like, Oh, that's really cool. Cause there's a lot of them. But I, my biggest one that was that, that I, I figured out afterwards that the map that they had laid down on the, below the stage was this, was actually an aerial shot of Compton. That's what I and figured, so, and then I'm assuming where Lamar was dancing with his guys yes. was where he's the neighborhood he's from, right? Isn't that yes? And yeah, I just think, I just think that's such a great, yeah, it's nice touch. subtle touch. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, right. it was awesome. Any, anything else? So more Bengals fans than Rams fans? Less Rams? Yeah. So I I did tweet you like you asked me to, which wasn't halftime; it was pregame. But I did tweet you and say because I, I kind of forgot about it at halftime. Uh, and uh, but it was and I would say upstairs it was 70 30 Cincinnati Bengals fans that's, upstairs now. And then if right. you look down at the lower, it was a lot of blue. And so I'm like, okay. So that what you sense. basically have here is you have the Rams fans who can afford it, keeping their seats. <laughs> and then you have the people that have the nosebleeds. They got them for dirt cheap. They knew they could flip them for thousands of dollars. They sold those to the Bengals fans so, traveling. So. so what you're saying is the Super Bowl between Ohio and Los Angeles in one building was the entire American socioeconomic experiment displayed in football fandom form is what you're saying pretty much that's exactly correct yes that's <laughs> right. middle america versus the coastal elites that's all in one right. building <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> all right uh let's get to some hockey then and because it's not going to be as fun as an enjoy and enjoyable as hey i got to go to the super bowl which is awesome man. yeah I'm we so gotta happy. we gotta lead off with the good stuff you know yeah exactly so uh peter laviolette comes to town i i've <laughs> Hockey does this a lot. They had the tribute video. They they included the assistant coach Kevin McCarthy and Matt Irwin in the video, which I thought was hilarious. That they so dumb. But here's the thing: I've worked with Matt Irwin. I did shows with Matt Irwin. Matt Irwin is one of my favorite people to actually. Oh, he was a great quote. He was to great. actually work with right. So like I, yes. as a fan of those people, like I actually was like, hey, Matt Irwin, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like. The fact that they put it all together, I thought was kind of cheeky in my mind. I don't think they did it on purpose, of course, to like, you know, take away from Lobby. Uh, he got he got the ovation and and people cheered. Honestly, I don't care actually. Like, if you want to cheer him and celebrate, he did a lot for this organization in this city. That's fine. If you don't, and you, you know, you thought he was surly, and you know, I personally mm-hmm. have my own. One day I'll tell all my own personal Peter Laviolette stories. But like, I think he's a I think he's a solid coach. I think he's a heck of a coach. That that those years were extraordinary and, and important and it's important to remember them and 
I, I just don't, I don't really get caught up in the, hey, he's coaching the other team trying to beat you right now. Like I'm not into the sort of cheering while like when you retire and you come back, that's fine. Shea Weber, maybe that's fine. I also don't understand booing Ryan Suter. Like I don't understand a guy taking a huge contract somewhere else. Like I just, so I'm not, I'm not the target demo for all that stuff. Well, look, Lobby there's a lot of credit. He deserved the ovation he got. He actually deserved a louder ovation in my opinion, because he did bring this franchise uh, to the promised land. Now that being said, almost, well, not like he didn't, I didn't say he was the mayor of promised land. He just ah. got them to the promised land, <laughs> we just, uh, but we just visited yeah he just yeah he rented a room for a while uh the 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 thing about the tribute video is it started off as a great nod to fan favorite slash great players okay they had to go somewhere else let's just call it ray bork i don't know if that was the first one or not but let's just say ray bork went from boston to colorado so he could win a cup everyone knew that's where i was going that's where he eventually did but I'm sure when he went back to Boston, there was like a monstrous ovation, and there should have been. The guy's a Hall of Fame player. He he only left Boston to win a cup. That's all he wanted to do. And he eventually did that and then retired. So that makes sense. But when you start putting in guys like Matt Irwin, <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. When you put Ray Bork and Matt Irwin in the same <laughs> it's uh, when you do it, when you say I, that, Gover. And I and I think I think uh I would have to believe that Matt Irwin would understand if there was no tribute video to him, especially <laughs> when he's on, when Laviolette is the main af- attraction, right? So I, this is where I, I understand why they do it, and I also understand that where do you draw the line? I understand if you're an organization, you're like, hey, well, you know, we want to thank this guy for whatever it is, you know. Ryan Hartman did not deserve, okay, a tribute video, in my opinion. <laughs> No, Kevin Fiala, in my opinion, didn't deserve. Although no. I could make it, but I could make, but if I could see how they'd be like, well, use a draft pick. No, I could make at least make an argument. But it's it, it's got to be treated like a step. In my opinion, going forward, it's got to be treated like a step below a jersey retirement. If your jersey's re- if it's a Hall of Fame, and there's jersey retirement in your local market, maybe there's even like a local Hall of Fame market. So in our in our case, it'd be the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. And then it would be like tribute video status. I think it should be. I think it should be okay. somewhere in that area where only the like the good players, maybe not the best of the best, but the good players deserve this. And and this is not in the same category of banner hanging. Like I completely no. agree with where with what the National Predators have done with their banner hanging situation. Yes, they they caught some stupid flack, in my opinion, from around the league for what basically everybody does. This has gotten out of control when, when Matt Irwin, and I love Matt Irwin, but, but, but this, and it, it feels like it's just a hockey thing too. It doesn't feel like it's in other sports and Nashville to me is guilty of this. I agree I, with I, that. Do you want to like, make sure that you're always like, you know, you could do like a hat tip. Hey, welcome back Ryan Hartman. And he, he puts a stick in the air for five seconds. There's nothing wrong with a graphic on the screen. Yeah, and a you graphic go, hey. is fine. You don't need a whole video encapsulating his two goals as a predator in five years or whatever that you don't, you don't need that. A graphic is fine. He scored almost as many goals as he cost us first round picks. Um, No, no, like again, I think it needs to be Shea. Like to me, it's the Shea Weber line. If you are at Shea Weber's level or above you, you get the tribute video and that would include Peter Laviolette because he was the head coach who took a team to a Stanley cup. So I'm fine with that. Even though yep. I have my own personal interactions that were, uh, you know, difficult at times with Peter Laviolette, but you got to take just... personality. You got to take exactly. personal out of it. Exactly, yep. I'm fine with it. It's again, it's not my thing one way or the other. Like I don't, I do not understand. I understand booing like uh, Jimmy Vesey. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I, the suitor thing, like I don't understand booing someone who gets just goes and signs another contract. I know all the details. Don't at me. It's fine. But like, I, I, it's, I again, I'm not the demo. I'm not the target demo. I'm not super nostalgic and sentimental when guys are still coaching and playing. If they are retired and they're back in the building and we want to remember what they did for our organization, I'm good with that. Uh, I just, it was a little much for me. And then of course the Nashville Predators, you know, just gave them three goals there in the, in the fourth, in the third period. So it, it the, the result of the game is a four, one loss after a five, two loss after a four, three loss. So they've given up 13 goals, all started by UC Soros. It is the, 
one of the two longest losing streaks this team has had in this in, in in the entire season. The problem is is that both of them have come in the last twelve games. So this team is mm-hmm. not just on a three game losing streak. They are four, six, and two in their last twelve, which is a longer trend that you want that this team's going to need to fix quickly because they are a third place team based on points percentage and any other metric. I think I've you can hold me accountable, audience, every single week on the show if you want to, but I do not think I have never thought this team was better than a third-place team, which will send us spiraling into the Forsberg conversation in a minute. But <laughs> at 4-6-2, and two, this is not just a short-term thing that's happened. They've had a chunk of time here where they've played basically 500 hockey. What do they need to do to get out of this slump? What have you seen that's caused the problems? We had another Dante Fabro miscue where he just – totally whiffed on a, on a coverage in front of the net that led directly to a goal, which again is, I don't, <laughs> it's concerning, but I'm not ready to be upset yet. Um, what are you seeing from this team that's, that that's over the last 12 games, that's putting them under 500? Uh, quite a bit actually, but let me clean up something a couple minutes ago. Matt Irwin had six goals in gold. I just want to make sure that I give him credit for his six goals and not just two that I okay. gave him credit for. Well, you said Ryan uh, had two goals. Oh, well I meant, I was talking about matter one. Doesn't oh, yeah. matter. The, okay. It's old news. The point is, is that we the mix Predators, all the trades and the former. I did, yes, all into one. Yeah, uh, they all fall into the same category, which is should not have a tribute video. But <laughs> right. there. Uh, the the interesting thing about the schedule, though, going forward, Brand, uh, Braden, is that you have Carolina and then Florida. Those are two terrific teams, and they, so they're on a three game losing streak right now. It could easily be five by the time Pecorino night comes around, and that's what I think concerns me the most is that. If you get beat by Carolina or Florida and you put up a fight, you're like, okay. But you also don't get into the playoffs with, okay. You get into the playoffs by winning games. And so the games that uh, that they've squandered because of, here's my answer to your question, penalties. Uh, that's giving the other team multiple power play opportunities that are unnecessary. And look, I get it. Okay, for those who don't know, there are actually good, there's this thing as good penalties. You If the... You can haul down a guy who, like Connor McDavid, as long as he's not on a breakaway, you can haul down a guy if it's just if you're going to get flat out beat, and he's breaking into the zone by himself, and you want to take him down and take your chances on a two minute power play. That's a good penalty to take. There are things like that that do exist, but the majority of these penalties pass, pass interference. If you're going to give up a seventy yard touchdown pass, yes, you, yes. you stop. You stop the touchdown pass. You stop the touchdown, right, and just take take the yard. Take your thirty right. yard penalty instead of the seven yeah. yard touchdown. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So there are good good penalties to take. So if you look at the stats, Braden, the Predators have taken six hundred thirty one penalties. Oh, excuse me, they have six hundred thirty one penalties in minutes. So so pims uh, this season. That is quick math. Sixty more penalty minutes than any other team, and that's Arizona, who is dead last. <laughs> so they are. My point is, they're playing with fire constantly and i think matthias ekholm's comments after the uh was it the winnipeg it was a winnipeg game matthias ekholm's comments after the winnipeg game where he specifically said we gotta stop we gotta stay out of the box it's that simple he's like there's other detail things that we will look at and we need to fix i'm paraphrasing all this but he's basically saying this there's other detailed things that need we need to improve on and all that but we can improve all those details but if we don't do this one simple thing like staying out of the box and not taking penalties, that's not that's not going to matter. Yeah. And he's absolutely correct. He said it so eloquently and perfect that uh, the uh, hopefully the fans heard it. And I was hoping the team had heard it, but <laughs> then the Capitals game came around, and uh, it, it's I don't know. You, the, you, are you suggesting that in a tie game in the third period, with the greatest power play goal scorer in the history of the world? Okay, right. On the but, ice that you shouldn't take wh- penalties. Okay, yes, I am saying that, but I'm but I also it's probably my fault actually if you believe in jinxes. Because yesterday I spent a lot of time on Twitter being like, Okay, yeah, the president needs to stay out of the box and they need to fix all that. But n- for some reason under La Violette, the Capitals with the greatest power play goal scorer all the is twenty ninth in the league in, on the power play. Which that's a whole other discussion is why does Laviolette's team suck on the power play? But that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> that's, that's the fact much, that you have a Vetchkin, much... Backstrom, Wilson, I mean, all those guys, and you can't. You're 29th it's in the league. Too much P- be... too P- too much PTSD for me to have that conversation. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so I'll, I'll, I'll avoid that so, subject. But, 
but they're, my they're, point is that if, if you have a Vetchkin, you probably shouldn't be on the given. You shouldn't tempt the wolf as much as you they did. But they, I, I felt relatively secure because I was like, well, they're twenty ninth, maybe you know. But no, a Vetchkin made him pay again, and that was the nail in the coffin. So twelve point nine penalty minutes per game. That is number one or dead last. That's a either way you look at it uh, for the National Predators, which is now building a reputation, which I believe they talked about on the broadcast. He, just the, here's the number that really stood out to me, and I went and looked at power play opportunities for the opposing teams and Nashville of course is number one with 175 penalty kills on the season meaning they've been put a man behind a man down or two men down 175 times this season the New York Islanders are number one in the league that's dead last for the Predators the Islanders are number one in the league at 106 power play opportunities against which is again not exactly half but basically half Right. And here's the thing. Even if you are a dominant penalty kill, a do- like you are one of the best penalty kills in the league, you kill at 85% and you give up 15% goals, 12% goals, not whatever. Really, really good. That That is still uh, like that's 70 more chances. And even at 85%, you're still giving up a bunch more goals. Yes. So it's, a, it's about the number of times you're doing it because the penalty kill has been fairly solid over the last couple of months. So it's, it's well, about it's about it's staying had out to of the be. box altogether. It's had to be. You mentioned the twelve minutes and fifty two seconds penalty minutes per game. That's almost thirteen minutes. So just round up to thirteen minutes, just for sake of math, right? There's sixty minutes in a, in a game, a typical game. Okay, if they're shorthanded, again in theory, thirteen minutes a game. That's twenty two percent of the game. They are playing a man down at least. And how many goals this season have they scored shorthanded? I think it's zero. Is it not? I'm not zero. looking at that stat. Yeah, so what, zero. They have so no shorthanded your, goals. Which is last in the league. They're the only team without a shorthanded goal this year, which means that 22% of every game they've played, they've guaranteed themselves not to score. What's really funny about this, and I say funny in a, in a, in a jovial way, is that we we just alluded to it. The fact that their power play has been so bad for so long. And then kind of last year kind of you know resurrected itself. And this year's power play is not – Horrible. I think for a while it's they were in the top good. ten. It's been very good. Yeah. So yeah. So, but now all of a sudden it's the opposite. Now they can't stay out of the box, and so they're just tempting fate left, right, and sideways, and that's the cause for the. Because again, we've talked about this before. I think on this podcast is that is that when your power play is as bad as it was for them over the years that it was bad, you're losing games because of it and i and again i'd argue he, they lost a couple of playoff series because of the power play yeah. and the and the ineptitude of it so now that their power play is doing well now it's the opposite now they're putting themselves behind the eight ball what do they expect uc soros to do right yeah like i, I know it's a team game but uc soros can only do so much by himself and he certainly can only do so much when he's facing an extra skater i mean it's just it, you're not setting him up for success What's what's interesting is that the penalty, the power play issues of un, under Laviolette, where it's easy to say, all right, it's worth this many goals per game, and it could cost you this many games yeah. over the season. Like it's easy to sort of say, all right, if you're 29th in the league, okay, you need to score a couple of more, whatever that means from a strategy right. standpoint, where you deploy your pieces, how you use the half wall, you know, lineup changes, whatever. Like that's stuff that it's sort of just like, you know, it's just kind of straight math. What's interesting about the penalty minutes thing and and the propensity to be in the box and take penalties like you said there's such thing as good penalties i don't mind effort penalties right that's not right. a problem either it's Correct. sort of the the, the 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 silly cheap ones and i you know mikhail granlin diving to stop a puck and a breakaway maybe the guy embellishes it like that's kind of an unlucky break while the guy's just trying to make a play but I, what i think is interesting is that last week on the show part of why we like this team in playoff matchups against let's say minnesota or, or st louis uh-huh. is because of their style of play. So the key here is with younger guys like Tanner Janot, Yakov Trenin, you know, the guys that want to play that big, heavy, bully style forecheck, like what makes the John Hines identity interesting and, and I think gives them a chance to win a playoff series is also the reason they're in the box all the time. You, you, you think. Unless you, unless, you're, unless you can point to a percentage of all those penalties being just stupid, dumb, poorly coached decisions. To me, it's the style of play that's leading to that. And now they have, unfortunately now they have the reputation with officials that come into Preds games, knowing and looking for that type of stuff. Cause like the Yakov Trenin, they didn't have to call that on Trenin against the Capitals. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, I get why they did, 
but that could have been a reputation preceding him causing that penalty in theory, right? Yeah, and I'll give you one. And, and but on the on the opposite coin, Gronlund had a penalty late in the game where for holding two hundred feet away from his own net. Yeah. Because he, he was on the forecheck and he took his hand off his stick and wrapped it around a guy. I mean, that's uncharacteristic for him. And so it's things like that. When are they going to be recalibrated? And how bad is it going to get before they get recalibrated? Eckholm said it perfectly. He's not the one out there you know, taking stupid penalties for the most part. So when is, when is everybody else going to get on board? When is everybody else going to be like, okay, I need to make that much more of an effort to not do this or whatever the case is? Because... You're right. They are the, the their style of play lends itself to penalty taking, but this didn't happen overnight. So where's the balance? They need to find the balance, and they yeah. need to use the regular season to find it. Because if they wait till April, in the end of the regular season, I mean, the way things are going right now, they could miss the playoffs all the. I don't think they're going to, but I'm saying they no, could but, miss the playoffs altogether. No, I think your point is valid, and you said this didn't happen overnight. I think you're right; it didn't happen overnight, but it's happened all season. This is not a yes. new. It's not a new problem. No, this has been the problem the entire right. year. And what I think is interesting, and again, this is a total guess. I have not asked this question of John Hines or or whatever, and 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 maybe we should. But to me, it's it. If it's just the young, if if we're gonna go. <laughs> this is weird because you sort of have to track the entire arc of the team, right? We're going to go younger, more physical, forechecking. This is why we're going to be able to win in the playoffs. We all agree with that. We enjoy it. I love it because it reminds me of hockey when I grew up in the 90s. Right. And I just enjoy watching guys like Tanner Janot play. And uh, I, my, my concern is that the only way to solve some of that, those problems with a team that you want to be aggressive but is young and inexperienced is experience. And the only way you get that is by losing games in the playoffs. And that's my concern is that mm, all the young talents going to learn all these things. They're going to fix the mistakes, but it's going to take time and another calendar year for that to happen. That's my concern. Well, if that's the case, then they need to unload Forsberg, not to give you a natural segue, but that's I mean, if, because I'm And obviously we can't look into the future and see that they could obviously put it all together and be fine. But uh, I, that's a very interesting point that I had not thought of that usually with teams like that, it does take losing to learn how to win when you're and 20 and you're all case, a bunch of 22 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's, that's my concern. So uh, you're right. We are going to talk Forsberg and we're going to do it after the break, but Alec on Twitter said this to us uh, and wrapping up the three game losing streak. He said tied with the stars at second intermission up to nothing in the first and tied with the jets at second intermission tied with the caps with 17 minutes to go in the third. So tied with 20 minutes to go, basically, in all three of those games. These are the games this Preds team was built to win. No, question mark. So he's basically asking, isn't, aren't, aren't those three situations we just saw the situations that John Hines was hired to, to win? And while we all like the identity, it has not worked the last three games. And some of that's the, a lot of that is what we're pointing to is the, is the penalties. Yeah. It, it's hard to not. It's it's almost like a pre All Star break, post All Star break type of you know uh, thing, where these problems existed before the All Star break. Don't get me wrong, right. but they were managing them better. They were managing the situation better. They were doing certain things. Then they go away to the All Star break. They come back and they've been on this slide, and where things seem to almost be unraveling. Like I don't say they got too comfortable, but it's it's almost like they take something a part of the game, a part of the game plan, a part of their structure for granted. And they're not paying attention to something. And for me, it's easy to be like, watch them be like, well, that was a terrible, why would you take that penalty? Or why would you do that? Or keep your legs moving and that won't happen. Or whatever the case is. Mark, mark your man, the, Dante Fabro. Don't pass yeah. the puck back to the goaltender, Dante Fabro. <laughs> that too. But, but Dante is not the only problem here. No, so I know. I know. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a tough one, but I will I will say that uh, this is what the regular season is for. The regular season is to get ready for the real season. So if they can figure it out now, no harm, no foul. In theory, of course, they could end up drawing Colorado and then be in big trouble. But <laughs> <laughs> but but they need to work it out now. They can't they can't wait 
until April when they're kind of fine-tuning yep. some things and getting ready for the playoffs. Well, 14 games in 27 days in March will give you plenty of opportunity to work things out. So a lot of that, of course, before the deadline, which is where we're going to go when we come back because we've got all – I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe you don't have any, but I have scorching, hot, passionate – I mean, like I am, I've got, oh yes, I am. I have intensely personal and passionate rants to go on. And one extraordinary hot take that will invoke the name of the great one. So we have, that's nothing to do with the predators. I have, I have multiple hot takes to run past you, uh, go over when we do that. So we'll do all of that. Can't wait. We'll talk Forsberg, the trade deadline. And, uh, I've got a super, super hot take that may be really dumb, (laughs) but we're going to do all of that when we come back right here on the gold standard. gold standard is brought to you by jaspers sorry i was muted sorry about that jaspers always important to have your microphone on during advertisements that helps with the product jaspers of course on west end the next evolution of the sports bar great happy hours for preds games and free parking i don't i don't know what like the the, the menu's great. The food's great. The games are, the TVs are great. The setting's great. It's very airy and ambiance. they got new menu items, all kinds of great stuff. I just don't know why the parking doesn't just seal the deal for people. <laughs> like, I mean, after I got back from LA, it should. Cause I mean, <laughs> I paid an arm and a leg. I mean, half my budget was spent on parking out in LA. So do you get reimbursed for all that, all that parking? Or is that a sensitive subject? <laughs> it's a sensitive subject, Braden. <laughs> all right. You exceeded your parking budget in one stop. <laughs> <laughs> you have a parking per diem and you got well, you know what jaspers can help you with your parking per diem in nashville so go to jaspers on west end my daughter loves the burgers she loves the fries if you want a cheat day jaspers has got you covered you can go get you can go drink beers and eat burgers and sweet potato barbecue pork fries and all kinds of stuff if you want or you can go uh go when you're when you're being healthy and you want to eat a salad and some you know lettuce wraps or you know, a chicken sandwich, a power bowl. They can, they've got all of you, all the things you could ever desire, Jeremy. They got avocado bacon toast Look for those that. who really want to embrace the healthy yet flavorful. You know, I'm not that. one of those people. I'm more of the big cheese stick guy. But <laughs> if you want to do that, they have avocado bacon toast. I was there the other day and had uh, the new hippie flatbread pizza, which is like they got some new pizzas on there and it it's exceptional. It's, it's all like that one's veggie, but they've got like a, They've got like a like a, a Mexican street corn pizza. They've got my wife would love that. There are so many. The flatbreads are probably my, one of my favorite things that they do. So there's plenty of great food over there. Uh, Smash burger, three dollar beers during Preds games. Home and road, great happy hour special. Great place to go for lunch. Great great place to go after after work. Happy hour and a great place to go during Preds games. And guess what? You will pay zero dollars for parking every single time that you go to Jasper's. All right, I've got some things I need to get off my chest, uh, Jeremy. And I'm sorry Cannot that you're wait. the one. I'm sorry you're the one stuck with me here. No, 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 no. Bring it. Bring, so, bring so, the heat. Bring so the David heat. David Poyle says he's. I don't know if he's alluding to the fact that things are getting closer. Uh, this was on an, in an interview, of course, with 102.5 The Game, who are the only people on the planet that get to speak with David Poyle, of course, uh, <laughs> every single week. They do. I, I will give them credit. They do ask the questions that that the, the vast majority of us would would want to ask. So I give them credit for that. Um, and he basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but we hope to get a deal done before the deadline. We think we're closer. We need both sides to come to the table, which that last one was last one was a bit concerning for me because as I understand it, I'm not reporting this, but as I have understood it, that they just haven't been close, um, which is why they have not been talking. Before we get into the Forsberg thing, which again, we've covered a billion different ways, but now with a four, six and two record over the last 12, maybe it it shades thing a little differently, a little differently, but here's my first question. My first thought, and I I alluded to this, but I just, I'm seeing it more and more from respected media colleagues and peers, fans, social media. I'm not going to name names because it's not important, but the idea that the Nashville predators should be buying big pieces at the deadline, a quiet going out and, selling future assets for a veteran defenseman or a top six winger or like just 
the the I like to me the only piece that you acquire at the the trade deadline is Philip Forsberg. <laughs> he is keeping him instead of trading him is the acquisition and the idea that smart hockey people in this town that I respect are asking if the Preds should go like I just it 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 hurts my head so much to watch people ask these stupid questions. Do not trade away draft picks to go get a winger. It it like it just am I wrong to be this frustrated with fans and media in this town right now? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say uh the notion that they should be buying is preposterous, in my opinion. Thank you. Uh there's there's nothing that suggests that they are a true Stanley Cup contender, unless you really want to boil it down to Johansson's having a great year, Duchesne has resurrected his career, and you know Forsberg could get to forty goals if they keep him around. And, and so, Soros could lead you to a victory anytime you want. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I again, it's to say that they're that they're as good, even on paper, uh, as De- as uh, Denver. Wow, as Colorado or Vegas. Uh, is obnoxious. Uh, now that thank you, make That's no mistake. Word. Thank you, thank you. That, make no mistake. I'm not saying they can't win the cup. I'm simply saying that they're not set up to win it. Now, again, we all have seen the example. We saw it here in Nashville. We saw it with LA a while back. When you, all you have to do is get in, just get in and find out what happens. Okay, so you just get into get into the playoffs, and then anything can happen. That's absolutely true, and I'm not taking anything away from that. They absolutely could go on a run and win the cup. And it wouldn't surprise me because they're playing that well for the whole season. But that being said, there's no, there's nothing that's like, oh, they are one piece away. Or if they, oh, if they just shore up that third defense pair or there's nothing, nothing is suggesting that. And so therefore their third defense pair is great. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Like, but usually that's the knock, right? It's like, right, oh, right, well, right. they need to upgrade Yannick Weber or Matt Irwin. He's had more airtime. Don't you talk podcast. about Matt? Don't you talk <laughs> about Matt Irwin that way? So that's usually the knock is the third pair, and he's just suffering. Blah blah blah. It's finally great. They re-signed Borvietsky for crying out loud for another year because he's doing so well, and Benning's fine. And so my point is, is that they're in a position right now to where they shouldn't be doing anything. Except for maybe if they want to get, if they want to bolster their lineup by getting kind of a bar, a bargain guy. I don't mean like a Marcel Gotch type. Like I don't, um, I don't mean like that. You're talking Brian Boyle. Yeah, yeah. Type, if they're like, hey, you know, yeah. Because here's I've heard this tossed around. Now again, I'm not reporting this by any means, but I'm just I've heard this tossed around in private circles that the Predators they that Claude Giroux is available from Philadelphia. Okay. <clears throat> and he makes 8.275, excuse me, a million a year. But he's a rental, so it's not really going to cost you that much. But to get Claude Giroux as a rental is going to cost you some assets. It's not going to cost you nothing. So here's the only kind of thing that I kind of massage, right? If they don't believe Tolvanen is the 30-goal scorer that they thought he was, if they kind of – not they've given up because he's obviously – He's definitely. I, what, I, I think game. he gets he gets better like every month. I I enjoy. Yeah, no, I agree. Watching his game, I totally agree. He's a more well-rounded player now, and that's really great to see. He puts the goal scoring in, and he's going to be lights out. But if but my point though is, if they think he's not the player we wanted, you know, we wanted a pure goal scorer, he's not that. You know, then I can see them saying, okay, we'll trade you Tolvanen for Giroux, and maybe like a second round pick or something like that might be worth it, maybe. Because then you're, you're upgrade. You're if you're going to resign him. No, because if they think, okay, like, you know, my point is that if if, if, if they have, have a lost uh, cause, if they have a lost cause, and I'm not saying they do this. I'm just simply saying that if they think they have a lost cause in their hands, okay. then I could see them saying, okay, we it's clearly an upgrade, and it does bolster our chances. He's a great leader. He's a proven p- playoff performer. Go back and look at his stats. The guy's a point-per-game playoff performer when he goes to the playoffs. And he's at the end of his career, wants to win a cup. So you put all those things in a blender, and he'd be a hell of a pickup. Also, by the way, I also heard, uh, I'm not reporting this either because I can't verify it, but a little nugget for the listeners. Uh, I heard that he was actually originally part of the Peter Forsberg deal back in the day. It's Claude Giroux. That's all you need to know about where he is at in his stage of his career. (laughs) Right. That's correct. But he's still putting up points. No, he is. He is. And he's been been an amazing player for a long time. 
Yeah, so he'd be a great acquisition, but again, it's it's got to be right. It can't be a first round pick this or a, or a David Ferentz type or yeah, Jeremy yeah. Davies. It's got to be somebody who they have essentially given up on, and I use that very loosely. And where he's a clear upgrade, and it's just going to be a rental player. So here's what I would argue: Let's go down the let's go down the let's just use the Tolvin and Giroux conversation yeah. to go down this path. To me, that like I I don't see how that organization has enough data on Tolvin and to be there yet. To me, that that trade makes sense for all the reasons next year. Next year at this time, and again, I'm, Giroux's not available at that, this price. Oh, right. and I get, I get right, just, right. just let's suspend reality for a second. But what you have at that point next year is enough information on Tolvin and to feel more secure in your decision about him. And the rest of your team has developed further to be closer to a cup run than they are this year. It just doesn't feel like the, the timing is not right to buy to go all in to win a cup this year. This was supposed to be a sixth place team, according to Vegas odds, rebuilding to, to towards next season. And the fact that this organization, I've said this all along, like the fact that you could be in the playoffs the year that you rebuild is like house money. It's like it's it's and you're doing it with young guys that you think can be around for a while. And, and you've got a core nucleus of defensemen that look great and young, talented wingers like you've, you've got all the things to just be patient and let it develop. And fans are not patient. I understand that. And this it doesn't work out because this happened to be the year that Forsberg contract runs out. And if it was not, if it was next year, all of this would be so easy. It would just be like, let's watch this team build. So, I guess but bring, I would I, say, I guess does that mean that we're at Forsberg, or do you want to go ahead and add some more? To no, it? I just want to say, but there's, but it's a it's a perfect poil deal uh, because he typically, I know we'll talk about this later, as in maybe next week or whatever, but or maybe we closer to the deadline. But poil seems to have three types of trades around deadline time. One, the going for it. That's when he gets Peter Forsberg from Philadelphia and tries to bring in that, right? Uh, that's just one example. Uh, the shore up, I'm going to shore up that third D pair or whatever the case is. The first example I came up with was the Paul Gostad trade with Buffalo. He needed a face-off like, guy. He needed a, a guy who was just killer in the face-off circle to help bolster in the center in that fourth line. And Paul Gostad fit that bill. They ended up getting UC Soros in that deal too, by the way. There's a little nugget for you. And then, the third, and then the third type of deal that Poyle seems to do with the deadline is the just because we talked about this last year and Matt, dear Lord, Matt Irwin comes up again. So Matt Irwin for Kerbinian Holzer. <laughs> that is a completely ridiculous deal. It's a just, we're just going to swap defensemen because, and so he had, he seems to have those three types of things around deadline time. And I don't think any of them are necessary this no. year, Braden. No. I don't think it's, Here's, Just, the, here's the problem. They're not good enough to win a cup, period, but they don't have any glaring enough hole that that you're so concerned with that position that they have to go upgrade that position, and that clearly makes them better and makes them – like they're, they've got a really good third line, a really good third line. They've got a pretty yes. good top two lines. They've got a great goaltender. Their top six defensemen are pretty good. Like Their fourth, their fourth line can score. Their fourth line's not bad. Like They don't have the glaring – what they what they have is a bunch of less than twenty five year old very talented players who are learning to be good, and that is what like I just they are a third place team, and if they finish better than a third place team, I will be held accountable at the end of the year, and I'm fine with that. And all of this leads in, into the Forsberg conversation, but they are a they are ahead of schedule as a third place team, and to me, the way you keep the momentum going. The way you continue the rebuild to being a cup championship team for not just this year, but for the next three or four years, is to take the King's ransom for Philip Forsberg. I agree. It is, it is not to give him $9 million a year for the next four years and watch him miss 22% of the games. It, and I hate to say it. I hate it. It's bad timing is what it feels like. It's like a relationship when you meet the girl when you're 25 and you really needed to be 35 when you met her, <laughs> you met her at 25 and you're like, you're doing all these things over here that 25 year old single guys do. And it just wasn't like my wife and I joke all the time. Like had we ever, we knew each other. We went to high school together and college together. Didn't meet until I was like 32. And we joke all the time that neither one of us would have ever liked each other. If we had ever met at any other point in our lives. And thank God we met when we did. Because we were ready for each other and for, you know, all the things that come along with commitment and, and marriage and family. 
I just it just feels unlucky that this is the year the contract runs up for Forsberg. It just it it, it just does. And I don't know how else to explain it. It feels like the last final piece of the rebuild, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. This is the, you you trade Forsberg and you get a bunch of stuff back that's going to help you get better for three years. That's the final final push that gets you into that window of competing for a Stanley Cup. And I, I, it's hard to say that out loud, but that's where I'm at right now. You know, going back to what you said earlier, which is that Poyle mentioned on 1025 The Game that uh, was the last sentence he said something like, the two parties just need to come to come to the table, something like that, right? Uh, I got the exact same impression that you did from that, which is that that his he's willing to go to the table. The other side is not willing to go to the table. They're not willing to meet yet, and that tells me that Forsberg is not as good as gone, as far as he would not come back to Nashville. But Forsberg is set on either getting his massive payday beforehand, or testing the free agent market to see what he can do. And there's nothing wrong with that, everybody. He's a, he has the right to do that. That's what free agency is all about. America. If baby. you have a great season, or yeah, if you have a great season and a, you're a great player, and you instead of being tied down to the same old team, and you know for decades on end, like years past, you actually have the choice to make a choice and go somewhere else and let teams woo you and have the courting period. And all that. So there's nothing wrong with that. It sucks if you're a Predators fan that Forsberg could walk and go end up in another jersey, but he has the right to do that. And if he doesn't want to meet before the deadline, that's his prerogative. But the Predators have to then pivot. Right. Whatever, right. They, they have to respond. And if that response is a conscious, we're not getting rid of him because we think we're better with him, I don't agree with that, but okay, well, that's a I, conscious well, response. I, I would. I mean, they're clearly better with him. Or right. I'm just. What I mean is, I mean, play, we have a better chance in the playoffs. With, sorry, a right. better chance in the playoffs with him. So we're not gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna not. But the issue with that is, then they get nothing. They risk yep. getting nothing for him. And I don't mean like at the drafts they trade his negotiating rights for a sixth round pick. I don't mean that. I mean nothing like right. the Ryan Suter type of situation where he leaves and they don't get anything for this A list player. No, the and, reason the reason you trade him is you don't you don't think you can win a cup right now, and you don't think you can acquire a piece that can get you to that point, which we've just discussed for forty five uh-huh. minutes. But you cannot get into that cup window without some more stuff, future assets, yes. prospects, players, draft picks. You still need another round of the boost, right? Like Carrier's been a boost, Trennan, Janot. Like all these guys have Fabro even developing Saros becoming the guy. There's a couple of nice pieces in the pipeline still coming. Hopefully Cody glass contributes to this team at some point in the future. But like those pieces are all part of giving this team a chance to win a cup over the next five years. And you have to have like, <laughs> you, you need more of it. And Forsberg is really the only thing that can give you more of it. And here, here's the other thing. And this is what drives me insane just as much as like the buying conversation with people. How many times in every single sport on the planet has a guy produced the best numbers in his contract year? Like it's just, this is Aaron Rodgers said it's a it. staggering I number. I am a Green Bay Packers shareholder and I have a mixed relationship with Aaron Rodgers, but he's one of the smartest, best quarterbacks in the history of the world. Uh-huh. And at the beginning of the year, when he's talking about Devontae Adams, he says, and a bunch of other players on the team, that contracts are running out because that was a big part of his spiel this offseason. He looked at the, he was at a press conference, and I was so glad somebody finally said it. He just goes, of course money's a motivating factor for athletes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, thank you, God, for someone just saying the, the actual part out loud. Matt, look at Matt Duchesne's contract. Yeah. Look, look at, at Ryan Johansson's contract. Like, everyone... This is not a hockey thing. This is this is a sports thing. Guys are motivated when there's a huge paycheck on the line. Period. That's just human nature. So why would we pay for Forsberg's best season in the middle of him playing like this to get the contract in the first place? I just it's not rocket science. They've got to be careful here. Here's I'll wrap this up. What is the number you are comfortable with per year AAV? If they resign him before the deadline, if they actually nine are million. close, nine you're comfortable with nine million? Yes, because I think what because you have to keep it a reality, which is that uh, he is a better player year in and year out, even with games missed, than Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. All right, and those guys make eight. 
8.1. So therefore, and they made them. They made those deals years ago. So therefore, if you, if you, uh, I don't know what the word is. If you extrapolate, that's for one of the If you extrapolate that out to 2022, I would say nine million. No cap increase in the NHL is really hurting. That doesn't matter. Situation. There will be eventually. No, nope. I, I, I think will he's, be I think he's worth nine million. Now, now, but I, here's what I don't want. I don't want to do. I don't want to see seven or eight years, which of course is going to be a requirement because of his injury history. Now, again, nothing brutal. He's not even broken a leg or anything. And you're like, oh, is he ever going to come back and play? But he has nagging injuries every single year, and he misses, like you said earlier, 20, 25 games a season, which is not great. But when he's in the lineup, he's awesome for 60 games a year. So I, I don't want to see a seven- or eight-year contract because then what if you're paying him $9 million in 2027 or 2028 – and he's so you, missing half the season because he's all these injuries have piled up. So if they so, put if they put out a press release, nine yeah. nine million dollars per year at six years, you would be okay with that. You yes, I would think be okay that, with that. You don't think that hurts the team's ability to win in the future? Uh, sure, but I think he's the linchpin of that. You build it all around. Okay. He's the only one that's proven, except for maybe Roman Yossi, of course. He's the only one that's proven year in and year out that he can be a star, and he can be counted on being which, a star. Therefore, which, you have to pay him like one. Which leads us to my super, super duper extra spicy hot take. Ooh. Because while he is the Predators, we talked about this last week, he is the Predators number one. He is not a number one in the NHL. He's just not. And that's the that's my issue with the nine, ten million dollar price tag, is you're paying him okay. like a number one to be your number one, but he's not a number one. He's a great number two. And this leads me to watching you know, the headline, like watching Alexander Ovechkin, you know, we've seen him in person a few times in Nashville, yeah. getting to see him in person and just knowing the skill and the longevity and the talent and the, and the production, like that's a number one. And that's what a number one looks like. Sidney Crosby scored his 500th goal on the same night, I believe uh, on Tuesday. So oh, I'm trust watching me. They let, everyone and their mom let us know about it. Yeah, I know. So I'm watching, <laughs> Sorry, I'm watching real number ones do number one things around the league. And I'll get to my hot take in a second, but that's my concern with Forsberg is that you're, you're going to pay him to be Ovechkin, Kucherov, McDavid, you know, Malkin, Crosby, Kane. You're going to pay him to be like that, those guys. And he has never been those guys and will never be those guys. And that's okay. my, that's my concern. So, all right now. Okay. My... Well, wait, wait, no, let me counter that for one second. Okay. Go ahead. Kane, Ovechkin, Matthews, Dreisaitl, McDavid, and the other guys that you mentioned are number ones on, if you distribute them out, right? They're number ones on, right, right, right. on the 30th. Okay. Like, I, I understand that Dreisaitl is number two, and I, I get that. Yeah. I'm just Mc, saying, if you, McKin- if you put them McKin- out. Yeah, McKinnon and yeah. Landis McKin- yes. spread them out. Correct. Yeah. Right, yeah. So you, if you distribute them through the league, they're number ones, which is what you're saying. So I just want to make sure everybody's clear on that. Uh, those guys are number ones, but how many number ones are there? Are there 32 number ones? I would argue there is not. And therefore, I would put Forsberg okay. in that next class. And therefore, he is a number one on the... Let's call it second tier teams. So McDavid's mm-hmm. number one. If Drysado goes so San Jose, he's number one. Again, you just you extrapolate it out to all the teams. Sure. And I think Forsberg would be at the top of the list for let's call it ten of them. And therefore Right. Uh, he's a great number I, two. He's a great <laughs> right. And that's and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. All right. I don't I just hope you don't pay a great number two like a great number one, and that, and then you're stuck with that, like you said. Well, they did that with Joe. To your point, they did that with Johansson, right? He was a number yeah. one center for the Predators, but not a number one center through, I don't know, twenty teams in the league. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay, they paid him like a number one center because he was their number one center. I think you have to look at it the same way. He is Forsberg right. has proven year in year out he's a 60, 65, 70 point guy, and you've got to pay him like that. And I, so I think nine million is fine. And then I and then the second at, it reaches double digits, I'm out. By the and way, then, well, and I agree with that. And then you look at, and then you look at like these guys with like 130 points. <laughs> you're like Brad Marchand, is that like right? Like, but again, like, there's not oh, that many God. of those guys. It's not like there's 32 of those guys, and you go, okay, well, we'll try to get one. You, you can't try you, to get one. This is what you got. You said 65, 70 point guy. There are a lot of guys over 70 points at, at the end of the year. Okay. Uh, while you give me your next hottest rant, I'm going to look that up and I'm going to see how many 70 point guys there were so we can get an accurate number. Because last year doesn't count because of the limited number. But No, like, no, no, no. I'm going to go back two years just to make sure. Like the, the guys that win the points trophy are over 100 points. 
Yes, of course. There's but there's like guys. two guys that are under 100 points. But there's a, over over 100 points. I'm I'm I don't have it in front of me. I'm betting. I bet you, Philip Forsberg has never finished in the top 40 in points. Okay. But while you give me your hot take, I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna try to multitask here. Figure it out. I wanted to do it like in one sentence to really jolt the listener into the hot take, <laughs> but I need to, but apparently you need me to vamp here to give you some time to look up. I don't know. Think... necessarily. No, no, do it. Do what you get. I can, I can do both. I promise. Go ahead. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin might be better than Wayne Gretzky. Oh, I don't have a problem with that. Really? Yeah. I thought this was earth shattering stuff here. And okay. Now well, for, for many of the listeners, it might be Braden, but for me, uh, I personally believe Mary Lemieux was better than Wayne Gretzky. So saying saying Alexander Ovechkin is better than Wayne Gretzky does not exactly shake the earth for me. So here's my here's my argument, and it's some some of it is just a time and sports and human evolution argument mm-hmm, that that like linebackers, centers, you know, power forwards, you know, goal score, like pick your star athlete in any sport. They are bigger, stronger, faster than anything that came 30, 40, 50 years ago by, by like human evolution standards. Like right, right. Derrick Henry never existed before before Derrick Henry <laughs> came, came along. And he's like a, a human evolution experiment against football. And it didn't work this year, by the way. Uh, football won uh, because uh-huh. he missed half the season. Um, Gretzky is like I, I grew up watching Gretzky. So this is not an like I didn't watch Johnny Unitas take. Because, like, I didn't watch Johnny Unitas. I watched him right. in NFL films. I watched Gretzky. In fact, I was a Rangers fan in the 90s, and he almost got my favorite team to the Stanley Cup, actually. So I watched a lot of Gretzky. I, I don't know what Gretzky would look like in the, the game today from a physicality standpoint. Because I know the game was more physical. It was very physical back in but, the day. And so that that has to – like, that's my tough part. That's where my brain sort of, like, twists itself into knots because I'm like – how is he so fluid, so smooth, so awesome in a game that's so much more clogged up back then and more physical back then, but also like he would look like a really small player, I feel like this right now. If he if he was out there on Winnipeg, <laughs> if he played for Winnipeg, he'd be like the smallest little forward on the team compared to all those six five, six, six guys. So I, I just think I look at Ovechkin and I just go, I don't know, man. He he might be the greatest hockey player of all time. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he's better than Lemieux. I'm not saying he's better than Gretzky, even though I sort of started the rant that way. But I'm watching him, 277 power play goals. He's done it now for. Uh, he's he's gonna. I mean, he could he could break Gretzky's goal scoring record if he plays like the, a few more years. I mean, it, it let's would, put it this way: without the lockouts, he would have already. Right. So I don't know. I just I'm curious what you think as a hockey historian about Gretzky's game translating today and the size, speed, skill requirements versus fluid and, 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 and movement. I'm just curious because I was watching Ovechkin. I saw Crosby. We're talking about number ones. I was just curious. So my quick answer is I, I, don't, I think Gretzky is a better player. <clears throat> but Certainly a more complete player. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. But I would, but I would say that um, – Ovechkin, I have no problem with people making that argument, and I actually may, by the time I talk myself out of this, might be, might agree. Uh, this is a, this is not an era of hockey where there are forty-two guys over hundred points, right? Whereas in Gretzky and Lemieux's era in the '80s, especially, there were. I mean, probably every player in the All-Star game, but every forward in the All-Star game probably had over 100 points or at least close to it, right? Uh, so, so before you go on, why is that? It can't be because the game was more physical because you would think that would reduce numbers. Is it because defensemen weren't as good? They didn't skate as well? The goaltenders weren't I think as good? What was, I think it's defensemen and, defensemen and goaltending. I think the evolution of the sport became defensemen and goaltending. Uh, you know, I mean, hell, back in the day, Braden, like, Guys used to take the summer off and do whatever they wanted to do and then come back at training camp and use training camp to get in shape for the season. Now you have to be in shape all year round and do all. So when they come in for preseason, the guys are, you know, I mean, they're in relatively top shape. So Gretzky was also surrounded, not that Ovechkin hasn't been, but Gretzky was also surrounded with, oh, I don't know, all world players like Yari Curry and Mark Messier for a lot of his career. And then when he went to L.A., it's not like he started over from scratch. He was with Luke, Luke Robitaille, who's a Hall of Famer, and I mean, you know. So, and then Yari Curry joined him eventually. So, he he, he didn't have nothing. 
He was he made other players better, and other players made him better, and it reflected on the score sheet. For me, I just think it's a it's an era conversation, and I hate using that cop out, but uh, I think that's fine. I think it's appropriate but, to do that. Well, I know, but I, but a cop out meaning that like it's so easy to just dismiss the conversation because you're like, oh well, they played different eras, and I hate doing that. But I would say that Gretzky was dominant, obviously, for his era, but he benefited quite a bit, like Joe Montana did with the Niners. Benefited a lot. He's a great player, but he benefited a lot from his supporting cast. Gretzky did that, and uh, and the era that he was in, where it wasn't there, there was you know pretty much every team had a hundred point scorer on it. Right. Whereas nowadays, again, I just looked because this Forsberg thing we're going to talk about. Uh, I just looked, and, and th- last year there was or no, sorry, two years ago, the first last real season it wasn't there two was years one. ago short, shortened yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, but by like fifteen games or something. So there was a, there was one one hundred point scorer. And yeah, so the, I don't, the I don't era is it was that many players in the eighties doing that. I mean, I knew, yeah. I guess I, I mean, Paul coffee is a hundred point. I mean, yeah, well, hell yeah. Paul Gretzky had Paul coffee with him. Yeah, about that's true. Points that's true. So, so I just think to me, here's the reason, the reason I was thinking about this is that yeah, Jordan is Jordan, yes. but a lot, but a lot of people are like, okay, now there's a LeBron Jordan argument. You know, right. Jerry Rice was the guy you weren't allowed to talk about. No one's allowed right. to be mentioned with Jerry Rice. And we're sort of starting to kind of have some conversations about some other guys. Now sure. it's Brady. You can't, oh, you're not allowed to put anybody on Brady's spot, even though right. I think Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers are just as good as Tom Brady. They just didn't play with for Bill Belichick in New England. That makes my soul so happy to hear you say that because well, just, I've been saying I, Manning is one of the best of all time forever. I, I think and if, every, no one agrees. But I think Brady's... if Peyton Manning, I think if Peyton Manning played for Bill Belichick for twenty years, he'd yeah. have more. He'd have agreed again. Supporting you know, cast, right? Again, he went to four Super Bowls. So let's not right, <laughs> right, right. Go crazy here. I think John right. Elway is as good as those guys. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Like I, I, but but it does feel like Gretzky and hockey is untouchable. He's not allowed to be mentioned with anyone else in any other conversation, whether it's Gordy Howe or Martin Brodeur or. You know, Ray Bork or Mario Lemieux or pick the guy at their position that was the greatest of all time. It's always felt like you're not even allowed to present the argument. Uh-huh. And I'm just watching Ovi, you know, at his age, do what he's doing. He is still arguably the most dominant power play player in the game yes. today. At, somebody at tweeted age. last night. Somebody tweeted last night when after he scored his power play goal. Something like it must be an amazing feeling to believe you're going to score every time you take a shot. And that's exactly what it is. Yes. Every time he unloads, I know he scores like eight or nine times a game, and he only scores like once or twice. But but the it's so crazy how frequent he unloads yeah. that shot and yeah. scores. It's it's mind boggling. It, it it hits the back, it hits the boards, and you don't see it. If he doesn't hit right. the net, it, you don't even see it, and you hear it. And right. You go, oh, there it is. Um, right. What's what? And, and we're gonna get. Let's get back to Forsberg here because this is what's fascinating. Forsberg has. 75 fewer goals than Ovechkin has power play goals. Mm-hmm. O- Ovechkin has 277 power play goals. That That's 70 plus more goals than Philip Forsberg scored his entire career. Right. So, right. It's there's crazy. Some, there's uh, some context there. The, so just to wrap up the Ovechkin thing is I think he, uh, again, I, I can, I can make the argument for that, that he is better than Gretzky because of the era that he's in where it's the hundred point scorers are an elite class only. And again, 100 points in the 80s is no small feat either, but there was so many more of them. Different, yeah. And so, and the goaltenders have gotten better, and the game has played different and all that. So I, I, would, I could make the argument that Ovechkin is better than Gretzky, yes. but uh, Is but there anybody I, better than Ovechkin in this era? In this era? From 2005 to today, when he was, you know, whenever he was drafted to now. It, I mean, McDavid has more skill than any human I've ever seen. On, on, McDavid on is the best player the most talented player I've ever seen. I, I agree with that. I agree. Um, but he needs but to do it. Like he needs 15, more time. Right. He, yeah. Yes. He, yeah. He needs, he's got, he needs to have a bigger sample size for me to put him in this conversation. Uh, but, right. I, <laughs> but he is for, he is for sure trending in that direction. That's yes. For sure. No question. How many times has Philip Forsberg finished in the top 40 in points? Okay. So I don't have an exact number for you, but I will say that uh, he, I, I, I cannot, I agree with you. I can't find one that he has, but he was 51st in 2017, uh, 18, and he was in, and he was in the top forty. He was thirty seventh actually in points per game that year. Mm. 
because he see, missed. so had he played a full season, oh, he would have yeah. been in the top forty. So uh, the nice, like, had he played a full season line about Philip yep. Forsberg, shocking. Yep. Uh, well, all right, uh, I, apparently I'm Forsberg's agent right now. Taking uh, that's how I'm spinning it to David Poyle. So <laughs> these are all the things I would bring up if I'm David Poyle in a meeting. <laughs> and apparently these are all the things I would bring up if I was Forsberg's agent. Go. So uh, all right, so uh, I don't, how concerned are you? Real fast here, how concerned are you yeah. with Nick Cousins' injury? Uh, lower body, couple weeks. It looks like he limped off. It wasn't pretty, but. That, he's a uh, nice he's, piece, but like it doesn't feel like he's a determinate piece. No, I, I agree with that, but I, but I would also say that he seems to like in the playoffs against Carolina, he really played a key role. Yeah, uh, yeah. and so so perhaps he's a a playoff performer, and you would obviously want him in the lineup rather than not. So I, 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 I it's not a deal breaker for me, but I I'd like to see him play. Um, last one here before we move on. I know it's been a long episode, and we thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, go to Jasper's, uh, follow Gover on Twitter, follow me, all that great stuff. Um, the trucks have shown up, and they're putting down the stuff at Nissan Stadium to build uh-huh. the, the Stadium Series game, of course, coming up on the 26th. Uh, a little surprised to see that tickets are still available. Um, yeah. But we, we've sort of talked about – we've talked a lot on this show about how ratings on these events have gone down. It's great to be in the event and there in person, but it doesn't work as well on television anymore. Uh, I was looking at the 10-day forecast, Gover. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, between 58 and 72 over the next 10 days. <sighs> Not good for an outdoor hockey event on Saturday the 26th. Just keep no. an eye on that. It's so, not good. Uh, and it better not move either because I'm flying home from a dance a dance competition for my son so, uh, for just for this game, so it better not move either. That would be – that would suck. They can't move it, right? to the next day maybe i don't, I don't think they can do that i, I mean they've no. played in like 60 degree weather before so i know but i just i'm just throwing it out there that i, I just purely selfishly it would suck for me if they moved it because i've booked a, i've booked a flight and there you go. everything already so well that truck's doing a lot of work that's all i'm pointing out <laughs> <laughs> the air conditioning bill is going to be uh it's going to probably non-stop probably the energy costs is natural going up because yes that truck. yes uh go over where can people find you they can follow me at uh, Twitter at, at it's Gover Time. I said that really horribly. Let me do that again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at it's Gover Time, and uh, I would uh, love to have your follow. I'm trying to build back my 6,500 followers yeah, that I've gotten when I was Gover Time for my account got hacked, and I'm now I just crossed 700. So I'm very happy about that. So thank you. And if you're listening and you have not followed me, please do so. Go follow Jeremy Gover. Jeremy K Gover. The K stands for knowledge. Thanks for hanging out. As always. Knowledge. Check them out at AP Radio as well. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you for all for listening. Go to Jasper's Great Happy Hour, Great Specials, home of all Nashville Predators fans here in Nashville watching games. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Again, thank you guys all for listening. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.